Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Watford FC Buzz podcast. Um, it's a bonus episode. We're here talking exclusively about the transfer window and we've got a full team, uh, Matt, Jordan and Tom, all here to analyse Watford's transfer business this January. Um, first of all, guys, as always, how are you doing? You well? Doing well. It feels weird to be back here midweek, actually. It seems so long since we've had a midweek game or a midweek need for a podcast. So it's uh, ple- pleasant as always, I'd say. Yeah, all good here. Um, just just a bit, you know, ambivalent by, about it all. Just feel a bit confused <laughs> and disappointed and so on. So, yeah, plenty to get into. Transfer deadline day, it never usually delivers, at least for clubs in, in the likes of of Watford. I mean, if you're a, if you're a Chelsea or a Man City, then you usually can get a bit more excited, but it's never particularly that interesting for the likes of us, is it? No, I mean, I think I've really set my expectations pretty low when it comes to January deadlines for us in particular. But um, yeah, it's not quite the same for sure. There's not, there never really feels that there's that sense of looming deal that's about to go through with, you know, some actual backing behind it. It's always, a little less uh, enjoyable than that. So uh, maybe that's, maybe my low expectations have said a lot in regards to how I feel about this window, perhaps, or this last deadline day, at least. We don't typically do much business in January, I had been going to say. And then I was just, while Jordan was talking there and flicking back to the last few seasons on um, Wikipedia, and I was like, what should we do? Last year we did, we signed four or five, Signed a couple of fairly important pieces the year before that in Zinkenagel and Dan Gosling, and then maybe tailed off off that. But actually, in recent years, we've had to, we have had to do a bit of business in January, which probably speaks to the fact that um, things have have not gone to plan. Indeed. Well, they've done uh, seven ins and uh, six outs. Is that the calculation? Uh, I do actually have it on my phone, including loans. Depends so, if you count the who you count really, doesn't it? The ones I put in the little table were kind of the the players that have been around the first team squad this season. Yeah, that's right. I I, I don't think we've mentioned um, any of the younger lads, right? No, with the exception fair, of Angelini. Yeah, I put Angelini in there because that was a strange one, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but well, we'll get back to that. Let's start with the let's start with the inch, shall we? That's more exciting, isn't it? I think. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Well, the first one you put here. Uh, 
Tom is Ishmael Kone from Montreal. Undisclosed, but believed to be around about 8 million. I mean, I think overwhelmingly a positive signing, right? The narrative has seemingly changed in the last week, hasn't it? Off the back of the Middlesbrough game, there seems to be now general pessimism towards him, which I think is incredibly unfair and harsh, given he'd basically only been a professional footballer for a year and has had a pretty meteoric rise in the scheme of things. But the the one game I think I've seen him for 90 minutes, I was I was thoroughly impressed. I think he will be a, a really big asset for us and he's the sort of player we've probably been crying out for for a long time. And, and certainly in terms of what it signifies as a an outlay on a, a midfielder, I think, you know, you've got to be fairly fairly pleased with that. Um, it, it's long, long overdue, isn't it, as we know? So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think kind of recent hysteria aside, that is objectively one to be quite pleased about and quite optimistic about the, his future with us. Yeah, I don't really get the detractors after one game. A little bit surprised there was too much negativity um, regarding one performance. One performance, I wouldn't say he was terrible in I mean I think it was a bad performance for most of the players in that pitch so um, look, I mean he's a different profile of players we've gone for in recent years especially when we're kind of filling that midfield area I'd much rather us put down a little bit of money and take some some gambles in the player like like Kone rather than having to scramble and bring in someone like Carlos Sanchez even though of course we still did have to make those sorts of emergency signings elsewhere as well uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we can't be too harsh on him. It's so early on. It's um, overall, it's, it's much more direction that I think a lot of us would would like to be going in. So we can't expect perfection straight away from these players anyway. So I, I think it's uh, yeah a little bit harsh to to be too negative on that deal at this point. It felt very much needed at the time because Watford, of course, were going through quite a big tr- injury uh, problem. Still are really, but midfield was the area that was most hit, and. Um, it was very timely that he was signed. Do you think he would have been signed regardless? Or was it mostly to fill that void? Yeah, I think the the profile of him, to me, suggests it was someone that they were fairly committed to signing. Anyway, the fact that he's young and it's a kind of a decent outlay, this wasn't a kind of reactive emergency circumstantial signing. I think they would have signed him regardless. It just put extra kind of expectation and pressure on him to perform immediately. Uh, because of the the volume of midfield injuries we have. But as I said a minute ago, I just think we needed someone like that who's got a bit more oomph and energy and drive and dynamism. We just don't have any midfielders like that in the squad. So, uh, yeah, I think think it was probably always the plan. Yeah, I imagine this is a target that's been on the the radar for a while and uh, one they wanted to get done. So the opportunity came about and it it just so happened it helped in the a situation we were in crisis but um, yeah no I think he's one they've been keen on for a little while so I think we should definitely view it through that lens rather than a kind of emergency uh, you know quick sign just to get someone through the door okay cool so um, in terms of if we were, if we were going to place him in a list of good transfers he'd be towards the top right yeah I'd say it's early on right but we we feel that it's hard to judge at this point, definitively, of course, but I think in, in general, I'd say it's a, it's a positive. Nice one, nice one. Let's move on then, because uh, there's a few to get through. Jao Ferreira from Benfica signed uh, another undisclosed fee, but believed to be around 1.5 million. Uh, a little bit of a surprise, this one, because it was filling a gap that didn't appear to be there initially. Um, we had cover on the right-hand side. Jordan, why don't you tell us uh, what your opinion of Ferreira is? 
I think it's an upgrade. I think you're, well, you're at least attempting to upgrade a position. Um, you know, you're bringing in a, a younger profile player than, than Gaspar, of course. But you, you, your target really is to find a starter, and we don't really have that settled on the right. I don't think anyone felt particularly confident in Gaspar or in Gakir as, as long-term options. So it's not often that you get the opportunity in January to upgrade a position and also look a little bit more towards the future. Uh, if you do, you're often doing it at a premium. But I think we found a gap in the market there to to bring someone in that we felt quite good about. And I think the early signs are he's he's a positive player for us. He's not, you know, without without fault. So he's had a couple of mistakes there. But you know, he's he's a positive, and it's a it's a blow to have potentially lost him for a little while. So uh, I think that says already how much he's he's made an impact in his first few games. Obviously, contributed uh, with a goal as well. But um, it, I like the fact that we were looking at, at that in that area of the market to bring someone in to kind of affect the team in the short term, but also look as a long-term option too. I think he's a funny one in that right back maybe isn't immediately something that we felt we needed given the number of injuries we had in other parts of the team. Slavin Bilic, obviously famously now, didn't say right back is a priority for him. But if we ignore all that and look at the bigger picture, then right back is an area we absolutely need to look at because the question marks against Ngakia, Gaspar, as Jordan says, and we should be trying to get the right pieces for the longer term. And I think Ferreira is that, but um, it obviously now creates a situation where you've got three right backs competing for one position most weeks, uh, or you know two if you say there's likely to be a fullback on the bench. I don't know what quite what that means, but it, it feels to me like we're going to have to probably make a decision on Ngakia this summer because it's just rumbled on for a while now that he's been on the periphery. Um, and as for Gaspar, as much as we were kind of positive about him in midfield, it isn't his position. And eventually he will get pushed out of there as well by Kone, the return of loser, etc. So it's a it's it seems like a smart signing he seems to have made a good start um but just kind of surprised that it was a an area that we looked to add shouldn't detract from what he can bring and the fact that we did need uh something there mm. right back is an area that needed sorting his injury is a bit of a worry now isn't it yeah there's a bit i, I mean i feel like i felt like right back was a position that we had bodies there, but we didn't have particular particular quality there. I think if you looked at the situation we'd be in now without without Ngakia, we'd we'd be looking at Gaspar as the main option. And to be honest, we didn't really feel I didn't really feel that confident in in Ngakia when he was available. Don't forget this these are two players that were available when we were playing when Rob Edwards was playing Kamara at right back uh, at the beginning of the season. So whilst it may it may maybe position we had numbers in, it, it, it's I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy that we made that decision to to target someone in that position too, especially when January so much of it is about opportunity. Uh, and if you know Ferreira is someone on on the radar and he's available at this time, uh, then you know you, you got to kind of strike in that moment. And I think it was it was one that you know maybe not as apparent, but I think it was definitely one we we benefited, benefited from. And I'm I'm glad that we're trying to be somewhat proactive there. Mm. I forgot it's been such a long season. I forgot that there was that period where Kamara was even playing at right back, which just seems crazy. It's it seemed a lifetime ago that this whole that Rob Edwards is in charge. But you know this, it, yeah, it's just this season that that we were going through the whole. Which seemed that that period of time seemed to last forever too. 
the whole Kamara on the right-hand side. So, yeah, it, it was surprisingly recent. We uh, got to see Andrew French uh, visiting the Watford training ground yesterday, and he was posting a, a whole bunch of uh, updates, one of which was that he mentioned that he had spoken to Elena Costa, and uh, she confirmed that she was heavily involved in, in both the signing of uh, Ferreira and also Arouche as well. It seems like... Um, you know, this uh, relationship she has with, with Benfica and, and possibly other Portuguese sides is going gonna, is gonna to benefit Watford going forward. Yeah, there was that link. Um, there was a link to Benfica at, at Frankfurt as well. And it's, you know, this is time we kind of established or, or discussed when Omega came in. There was there were a couple of clubs that were seen as a, as a potential avenue for, uh, you know, these sorts of players, perhaps fringe players, perhaps players that are kind of falling out of the pecking order a little bit um, from specific clubs. There is a working relationship there. And to have that, you know, come over to us, it, you know, it, it's beneficial, especially a club, a club like Benfica. Obviously, they've got um, a good opportunity to, develop, to develop, develop talent there. So if we can capitalise on that ourselves, then why not? Uh, and, and if she's central to that, then, yeah, that's, that's good for us. In another market it wouldn't surprise me to see us look at in the summer would be the and depending on work permit wise and differences there, but um, Mexico is also a place that um, that Manga was operating in quite heavily when he was at Frankfurt too. So if we see any links to um, to any of those sorts of leagues in the in the win- next window, that should be kind of one to keep an eye out on. I'd say. Before we talk about uh, the next person that she was heavily involved with, Arouche, um, let's just scoot back to Mateus Martins because he sort of came in around about the same time as Ferreira. And this one technically will go down as a loan from Udinese, but uh, it was uh, the Brazilian side, Fluminense, who, uh, of course, we've had previous dealings with that he uh, kind of came over from. The worst kept secret probably in in the uh, in the January transfer window because we all knew he was coming. But um, how important has he been since he's landed? <laughs> it's another one where... Uh... I saw a little bit of criticism for him, perhaps not to the same level as Kone, or heard a little bit of criticism after the Middlesbrough game. But I think we need more players like him or needed another player like him, someone that could run at defences and give us that little bit of pace and uh, what Kike Sanchez-Flores used to call verticality. Um <laughs> Because it's ironic that Kiko Sanchez Flores used that term because there was very little of that. There was very little of it, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, someone who can run at defenders, put def- we know nothing scares defenders like pace. He's got pace, he wants to run at people, he's got trickery. I think it'll take a little bit of time to adapt to the English football, and you just wonder because of that relationship with Udinese if we'll see him again next season almost regardless. Uh, I can't imagine going back there and necessarily and playing every week in Serie A. So, yeah, I think he's a good signing. And I have to say, again, I've only seen him once for 90 minutes, but he was excellent in that game against Blackpool. And I think if he can, you know, more often than not replicate that level of influence, then we've got a really good player and someone who probably actually is a bit of an upgrade on, or, you know, an upgrade on the the other options we've got out wide after Ismail Assar, if he's hitting his kind of maximum level. Um, You know, I'm thinking Ken Semmer and Samuel Kalou when I say that. I think that's add something really quite exciting. Do you think he's likely to follow in the footsteps of Pedro and Richarlison and, and, you know, become a real talent here? I mean, I'm sure that's definitely the plan. Um, yeah, why not? I think I think that's the idea. So if you can, look, we we can give him minutes, and I think that's the important thing. And I think it's difficult because with, with the link to Indonesia, it's hard to, I mean, I, I don't really look into either of these 
you look at the the deal for for Martins, you look at the deal for Kamara. I don't think either of them really are bound to Udinese or Watford specifically next year. I think it's really just depends on the situation. There's nothing to stop players moving around, and I don't think uh, the, the the contract situations or where they're technically from. You know, has too much meaning uh, at this point. So if it means him being at, at Watford for a couple of years to develop, then you know it's a route that's worked for them. I think you, you look at Richardson, obviously a big move. Jao Pedro had the opportunity for a big move. Uh, we wanted to kind of retain that asset for a little longer. If we can do the same thing with Martins, and it's a you know it's a, it's a it's a decent business plan, and it's it's working for the club and the player. I'm interested to see what happens with Kamara. By the way, is it a foregone conclusion that he? goes either way or he stays with us or, or goes to Udinese <laughs> I don't think I don't that Udinese think. looked at I don't think Udinese have ever looked at Kamara as a, a, a viable option for them at left back I've always I, from the beginning it's just I think it's purely just a cosmetic like it's just a deal that's there to <laughs> facilitate the moving of money that needs to happen I don't really a cosmetic ever transfer cons- I almost oh. said it I almost said it but then I remembered why that's in my mind <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's it. I mean it genuinely. Like, is it a foregone conclusion either way, or are we just going to kind of suck it and see at the end of the season? I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's really good enough to. Well, I think the fee. Dict- I think the fee determines that, doesn't it? I mean, it's a fee that was obviously, obviously, it's a financial move between two linked parties, yes. rather more than anything, because you won't be using, you'll be using that sum of money otherwise. Um, it would be more close close to what we saw with the likes of Isaac's success and so on. This is a, a different thing, and you know I'm sure that if if he was Udinese bound, they'd be looking at recent performances and, and questioning that decision if that was the case. So. Well, yeah, quite. People were sort of saying that after the weekend, after his part in the horror show at the well, parts in the horror show at the weekend. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that one is definitely. They've always said, haven't they? We've got a pool of players, and we put them where we need them at any any moment. And I think I oh, wouldn't surprise me, yeah, if he never set foot in Udinese and, and uh, was here again next season. So anyone who's had enough of him this season, which again there seems to have been quite a bit of um, angst about him, and understandably so after the weekend. But I suspect. I yeah, I suspect it's entirely conceivable he's here next year, put it that way. Uh, okay, cool. Let's move on then to uh, Enrique Arauch from Benfica, another one that uh, Elena Costa was involved with. Uh, this one's alone, um, and he came with a bit of a fanfare, didn't he, guys? Yeah, he's kind of the big one of the window, would you say? Mm, I think it's probably so, yeah. the, the one you'd feel has the most not pressure but the most expectations are kind of upon him i guess because you know we signing yeah and it's it's difficult to kind of put a marquee sign on a loan in some ways because it does feel so temporary of course but um yeah we needed we needed someone a little different in the forward areas we've like, i think i think one thing that's become quite clear is that manga and costa have come in and decided that there, there needs to be a restructuring and i, I think you can be kind of deem it positive that they're looking to do it as early as possible and not just add additions, but also, you know, move on players that were signed under a previous regime than the likes of Bio. And, you know, they were looking for a club for Manai, which also makes me wonder if how what, what Manai's fitness situation is, if they're able to kind of try and facilitate a move for him on deadline day. Um, I'm curious as to, to have what his condition is too. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. And Arouch is someone, obviously, we talked about at the beginning, the, the links to to Benfica there with with Costa. So, 
yeah, it's a, it's a big signing for us, I think, because it adds something different, uh, gives us a, perhaps a level of uh, incisiveness we were lacking. And uh, he looked, he's the one exciting thing from the previous game, so I'm hoping for more. How do you think he's likely to link up with Martins? Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of linking up specifically, I think this is the one thing we, we did discuss a little bit with, uh, with Arash in the previous episode. If you have inconsistent delivery, which I think is something that we can kind of we can find ourselves in that situation fairly consistently where it's inconsistent delivery into the box. Uh, Ismail Asar obviously can be effective, but a lot of the time it's, you know, there, there are balls that go astray and, you know, we, we're not finding our man. And I think having someone like Arash who has a good, in, has good instincts, he knows how to get into good positions, but also he has that agility in the box where he can kind of contort himself and get him, get into different positions and, and, and find ways to get onto the ball, which is really important. It's, it's, it's all well and good having a striker that can finish and, you know, obviously that's great, but you want him to be in that position. And I think when you look at the instincts, you look at the physicals, he can do that. So I think that's one way that you could potentially say that him and Martins might link up as well. You know, that same that same quality, that same skill set, those attributes also lend themselves nicely to to a kind of active poacher in the box too. Someone that can capitalize on rebounds or, you know, deflections and just opportunities that may arise especially when you have players that run into the box like Bilic wants uh, Martins and Saar to do from that wide position, wants them to be narrow, wants them to attack in the box and wants a lot of that production to come from inside the box, whether it's crosses or shots. Uh, so having someone that's active in that area and a little bit more on their toes might be um, uh, might be a potential benefit we, we see from Arash in particular. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see more of him. He, he looked really great, didn't he, despite the, the defeat on Saturday. Um he only had 45 minutes to to show off what he can do. And I think that he's certainly putting his feet in, in the right place. You could see the sharpness, I think, was the key thing. And, you know, it was, it was difficult to look sharp in that game because everything was so disorganised and chaotic. I think uh, it, that is it's definitely the positive and that's kind of what he brings, I'd say. Nice. OK, then let's start to look towards the, uh, the back end of the transfer window. Then um, in the recent days, we have mostly been linked with defenders. Uh, first of those was Ryan Porteous from Hibernian, uh, who's joined for, again, an undisclosed fee, but I believe for around about £300,000. And um, it feels like a bit of a steal, actually. Tom, you know quite a, a bit about this guy. You've had a chance to look at him. What what, what was your uh, opinion of, 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 of Porteous? Yeah, I think this is, again, this is a good kind of signing with an eye on the the mid to long term rather than being what we were desperately crying out for at the start of January, like, like Jao Ferreira. Um, Billich called it a cosmetic signing. I, I see what he's saying. It kind of improves the look of the the kind of central defensive options. Truce de Kong out, Porteous in. But I think, you know, he's young. He's got potential. Scotland... Uh, Either international or in around in and around the the kind of uh, squad there. I think he made his first appearance. Was it quite recently? Yeah. So yeah, I like what I see. I think he's someone who's going to do the basics really well. Not afraid to get stuck in. Wins his headers. Wins his jewels, etc. Looks like a bit of a shit house at times as well. Not afraid to you know be a bit of a character. And and we need a little bit of that sometimes. We're just a bit. A bit wet, really, aren't we? As a as a team, more often than not. So uh, I think a bit of that wouldn't go, won't go amiss. Um, I think distribution can be something that we work on, but 
becomes less prevalent depend or less pertinent sorry depending on how we play and and who's in charge so yeah I'm, I'm quite pleased with that one it feels like a long time since we've given that center half situation a, a refresh um and brought someone in that you think could improve with the team you know Cathcart and Cabasali have been here a long time and are both over 30 Sierra Alta and Drew Kong came in the same year and they were kind of already ready-made established kind of centre-backs in terms of their profile but Porteous I think is something we've not seen in that position for a long time so I'm reasonably encouraged whether he comes in immediately or not I don't know but I, I also kind of don't get the impression Bilic is 100% sold on Sierra Alta either so I think you could see a situation where it becomes Cathcart and Porteous quite quickly at centre-back this year. Mm. Jordan you said on the last pod that you you liked that he uh he seems to get in the faces of the other of the other players. What did you call him? You called him a uh, uh was it I might have called him an arsehole. I don't know. That was it. Yeah. Him. Yeah, an arsehole, yeah. He's yeah. yeah. I mean look, it's the, a level of aggression in in that I mean, look, I think it, it adds something. Um as Tom kind of touched on there, we can be a bit wet. We can we can be a bit soft. We don't really I mean, it seems like a primitive area of the game to discuss as a as a as an attribute, but you know, having a competitor in there, it can it can change the dynamic a little bit of the team, and it's not a bad thing to have as well. You know, it's something that can be can be channeled into a positive for the team. So, it, it's an intangible that you kind of throw in there, but I think aside from that, he's also a decent player, and there's there's upside to deal and. Look, I'm I'm happy for us to take some risks and you know relatively low risks, especially if you look at a player that you, you think you're getting below his market value because of a contract situation. Then for sure, go out there and and you know tie him up to a contract and and see what you can get out of him because he's a he's a potential player for us in the position where we've stalled uh, for a number of years in recruitment. I don't think we've done particularly well in that position group. Um, obviously, it's a it's a well known fact that we've not put down large fees. Uh, at least comparative fees, even to other areas of the pitch that we've kind of tried to improve over the years too. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a good deal, and I think like the Kone deal, like the Ferreira deal, like the Martins deal. I think when it comes to establish or when it comes to judging these deals, there's a bigger picture in terms of the plan ahead, and I think we wanted to we wanted to see more of a plan in, in terms of recruitment rather than kind of random assortment of players we bring in from different places different ages different profiles etc we start and maybe starting to see a little bit of what um costa and manga are, are trying to do which was something we actually asked for at the beginning of the window or when they came in can we see just a little kind of hint of that and i think we are in in the likes of porteous and, and so on um another defender that we signed that um came a bit out of the blue actually uh this one from andelect wesley hoyt uh, i think that's how you pronounce it an undisclosed fee again um, I suppose backing up what you've just said there, guys, that you know the the centre back position hasn't really been uh, reinforced for a while, and and all of a sudden we've got two uh, semi decent players ready to um, to compete with the likes of of Cathcart and well that might be just it actually only <laughs> only Cathcart. but um, yeah it, I mean what did you think of Wesley Hoyt was was that a surprise? Well, Anderlecht fans seem to have a pretty distinct view on him, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. I just tweeted from the account yesterday when we signed them who, what you know, what does Southampton, Lazio, Anderlecht fans think? Not really expecting to get much interaction or not much engagement from that. And I was just inundated with Anderlecht fans, presumably joyous <laughs> that he was leaving, telling us how shit he was, basically. Most of it coming down, boiling down to 
his kind of attitude being overly kind of cocky. Someone called him a braggart, which I thought was nice. <laughs> word I've not heard in a long time. Uh, a bit cocky. Think very arrogant. Thinks he's Beckenbauer. Acts like he's the king. Always arguing with someone. Uh, bad example for our young players. Super slow central defender. Uh, complaining to everyone. I mean, that he was the one making also... mistakes. <laughs> These are also that, fans that have theoretically been searching the name Wesley Hoyt in there on on Twitter to try and find Watford fans talking about him too. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to get the most balanced view, I guess, are you? But I just thought it was interesting. The attitude was the one thing that they all seem to have in common. Um, honestly, don't know what to make of him. I, I was aware of him in the Premier League. Didn't you know? Can't say I watched Southampton religiously at the time he was here. So he kind of fallen out of the, you know, my awareness, I suppose. But, you know, he cost them a fair amount of money and obviously clubs overspend massively. But I'm kind of surprised at how his career has, has fallen away in the general. I mean, Andalux is still a huge club, I suppose, in, in historic terms. But the way it's gone for him, um, maybe the championship is more his level. He seems like someone who will do the basics fairly well, but not super mobile, not super kind of good on the ball and kind of athletic, mobile, whatever, you know, a bit of a kind of stopper centre half. I don't know. Is that, is that fair, Jordan? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's someone I wouldn't say is particularly dominant physically. Like you might say someone like Syriata is, or tries to be in games. Um, but, you know, this, I, I think for me, if you're looking at upside on, on Wesley Hoyt, you're going to say he's rangy, he can get his foot to the ball, um, and I am okay with going down a different route away from Cabaselli uh, as, as an option at centre-back. I think I'm I'm, I'm tired of, of, of the same Cabaselli issues that arise. Now, maybe Hoyt will come and bring a whole whole new bunch instead, but... You know, sometimes, sometimes different environment changes things to the player, and hopefully, there's a chance that happens with us. But in in terms of profile, yeah, he's someone that's going to be that that rangier centre back. that's going to try and try and play relatively controlled, but he does have a mistake in there too. So it's it's a bit of a tough one. I didn't, I didn't love what I saw. I hadn't I didn't go back and watch his stuff from Lazio. This is just based off what I remember from Southampton and going and looking at him at Anderlecht. And like, you can definitely see the mistakes that that the fans have talked about. And I guess, you know, if you're really being ultra critical, if he was really, really good, then then Burnley probably would have signed him in the summer, wouldn't they? But That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, he must have been at least good enough, though, to uh, have warranted a move to Southampton in the first place from Lazio. Yeah, I think if you if you're, I mean, look the 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 range, or sorry, the the difference in ability between a top player and you know someone that that finds themselves kind of joining us in the championship. It's it's relatively small in terms of playing ability. It's more about the other aspects that you know play into that, whether it's consistency or development. You know, obviously paying for a younger player at the time, they're hoping is going to improve, um, and so on. But I think. 
I think it's how much can you replicate that top performance? How consistently can you put out your your ultimate level of performance and ability? And if if you're someone like Wesley Hoyt who supposedly has issues as you know from a personal perspective when it comes to interacting with coaches and teammates and so on, then you know it can really affect your not just your development but also your ability to to perform regularly for your club as well. So you know that's what that's my, where my hope comes from is there's obviously some player in there, but. Uh, he's, he's definitely someone that seems to have regressed in age and, and, and peaked quite young. Uh, not that he's in a physical decline, he's only 28, but uh, clearly he's, he's not playing the best football his career. You could argue he's playing kind of the worst of his pro career to be at the level he's at right now compared to where he was you know, six, six or so years ago when Southampton picked him up. Which also, one caveat I will say to that is he was replacing Virgil van Dijk, which is not an ideal situation for a player to come into in terms of boots to fill. Fair. That's a that's a fair point. That one, yeah, it one to watch. And I guess is uh is is this is this is the the thing to say about Wesley Hoyt. Yeah, keep an open mind. But obviously, we've seen some horrifying accounts from Anderlecht fans. So. <laughs> uh, the final one then, and probably more shocking than than the Wesley Hoyt transfer was the uh, return of Brit Asombalonga, uh, officially on a free, I think, but more most recently at Turkish club. Uh, Go on, do it. Oh, I can't remember it. I can't remember the name. Adana Demispor. Adana Demispor. Thank you for getting me out of that hole, Tom. Um, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but that's the, the vague sounds. Now, there, he was, there, there was something particularly weird about this one because he was released from Adama Demispor, but I'm not exactly sure why. Do you, do you, do you have any information about this? Just hadn't played very much, had he? I, I haven't gone out and sought information about his exit explicitly but he'd only played 400 minutes this season played a lot more last season 10 goals in 15 starts in the Super League um, but this year yeah just not had the kind of minutes he would have expected I suppose on on that basis I'm just uh, going to have a look if he, see if he was injured or anything Jordan you can Feel free to fill at this. Yeah, point. I mean, I don't. I'm not entirely sure. It's it's a tough. I don't know. I think maybe there's a chance that he just wasn't happy in the environment either, and if he wasn't getting the minutes he wanted and so on, then you know that's it's fair enough. If he's probably a player that was on a reasonable wage for what they were offering, if he was kind of replicating something that he was getting um, at Middlesbrough, so it, it might have just been one of those situations where he wanted to move home and. And they weren't going to get a fee for him necessarily at his age and so on. So it was just a, a case of it's, it's more beneficial for both parties to to you know, part ways there and then uh, save some money for both sides, I guess. That'd be my assumption. So how about the uh, the move to Watford then? Were you surprised by that? I was surprised by it. But, you know, we, we clearly wanted to change our, our look um, of, our off, of our offensive kind of line there. We wanted to, to, to kind of move things about. Obviously, Manai and Bayo were, were looking to be on the move themselves. Uh, so we had to bring some bodies in. Uh, some of the Aston Balunga obviously got the homegrown element to it. Uh, free, uh, there's you know there is a track record for you know he has scored goals at Championship level and he was quite effective for a while too. Obviously he has his injury concerns, but it's it's availability and it's it's working in the, in the January transfer window. You want to be opportunistic again, and it's much different to the other sides of uh, sorry other signings we've we've made and kind of we discussed earlier in the types of. Uh, one, ones like Arauch and uh, Ferreira, Kone, etc. But you have to sprinkle in these these other players too to kind of supplement them uh, and support the balance of the squad as a whole. So do I feel worse with our forward line now before January? No, definitely not. And I think, you know, Asambalunga is part of that. Tom, what was your opinion of Asambalunga? Yeah, I just, I've got nothing against Brit. 
um, 10 years ago, I think we were all kind of a little bit disappointed that he didn't get more of an opportunity here, and, and particularly when he obviously then went on to to do very, very well for Peterborough, got his big move to Forest, and had it not been for a horrendous knee injury, he would have got 14 goals plus in three, four, five, six, seven consecutive league seasons in the Championship, League One and League Two, um, which, you know, not a bad return at all. And I think if you actually look at it, 130 league goals in 260 league starts according to FB ref, which is a you know it's a pretty good record, but it it just feels like a regressive move because someone that was here 10 years ago um, has had bad injuries in the time in between, and you know is knocking on for for 30 something now. Um, Shouldn't get too smug about 30-somethings, given I am 30-something. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the smart thing is it's free. It's not a long commitment. I'm sure we're not paying him huge money or anything stupid like that But and the homegrown element. But, yeah, it just doesn't seem like a very progressive signing. And, and Lou Orn's tweeted to me when I was kind of moaning the other night, for want of a better word, about it and said, well, you know, he's not going to play that much because he's uh, he'll be third choice once Bio leaves. Um, but I thought, so I replied and I said, yeah, makes sense actually, but look at our bloody injury record. He is going to play. And, you know, given his injury history and our um, medical kind of issues this season, wouldn't surprise me if he plays and gets injured again, given everything. But, you know, Jao Ferreira's I'll, coming I'll, and got injured immediately. I'll so. put it to you like this, though, Tom. Would you rather a third choice, Raymond Eye or Gerson <laughs> Belunga? No, that is a good point. I wonder where that leaves Raymond Eye now, to be fair. Does he, you know, he's firmly fourth choice, you would think. Um, does he... Is there a league open in Europe that we can park him uh, a club for the rest of this season? Um, be interesting to see because you know he's evidently, evidently not in the picture, is he? Right. Just before we move on to the exits, let's talk about one potential in that didn't happen, but has been revealed today uh, that could have happened, and it really is a story, actually. Um, Tom, I'll let you talk about this because I think you're more you're most um, passionate about this one. I'm just baffled, really. A bloke that we let go six months ago um, who didn't set the world alight and we want to bring him back. This is Musa Sissoko, by the way. Yeah, Musa Sissoko, sorry. He's 33. He seems to have played regularly for Nantes, but I just find it baffling. I just tell me you don't have a plan without telling me you don't have a plan. He was another one who got kind of pelters. I don't think that was fair, to be honest with you. People kind of criticised his leadership and, 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 you know, the fact that he couldn't get out of here quick enough. But I think, realistically, he was probably signed on decent money from Spurs, given, you know, the time he'd spent there and, and the success that they'd had together and so on. So it was not a sustainable wage, is my suspicion, for a championship club. So it suited everyone for him to move on. But to suddenly be coming back for him, I just find absolutely insane. We've got enough ageing over-the-hill midfielders as it is. And, yeah, I just... I was, I, I was virtually speechless, actually, 
and I've had time to digest the news. I just can't. I just can't. I just why? I just I would love to pick the brain of. Oops, sorry. I would love to pick the brain of somebody whoever thought that was a good idea and just try and understand it. I'm sure he's a good bloke in the dressing room, leader, hell of a lot of experience, won the World Cup, been to the Champions League final, a lot of caps for France, all these sort of things. But is that what we need? I just unless Billich gave it, that's the only way I can see it makes sense. They said to him, Look, we know you want a midfielder, we can get Moussa Sissoko back, it'll be fairly cheap, six months, you know, twelve month option on top of that if 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 needs be, do you fancy it? And he said, yeah, yeah, go for it. But I just, yeah, I'm totally, and I was blown away when I saw that. Not many things about Watford surprised me anymore, but that genuinely surprised me. Whinge over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I think it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's just indicative of lack of preparation. Now, again, this is this is someone that, you know, it's a difficult time to operate, it, it does make me wonder have they has something arisen that makes them feel less confident in the return dates of some of their options there because um, you know we should be expecting players back in the field with, uh, with, with Imran Loser coming back uh, also uh, Kayembe and well, I don't think we've had much of a timeline given on Cleverly have we that's kind of been maybe not so not so clear a little more vague we've not seen any any sign of him you know on the pitch or anything but he had an Achilles injury too didn't he so was it Achilles injury for Tom as well yeah it was am I right in thinking there's an Achilles yeah, injury in his recovery so, yeah. we, so both Gosling and Tom Cleverly Achilles injuries so you know depending on what Tom actually had it's, it's potential we don't see them all year I guess um I'm sorry at least the rest of the season so you know maybe they wanted depth but you, you're probably not getting that depth for cheap. Um, he's a player to be coming in and, you know, a contract we deemed, you know, too much to pay for to, to retain him. Is he willing to restructure that deal or, or renegotiate his contract currently? You know, we obviously don't know what he's on, but you'd assume he's on something closer to what he was uh, in the Premier League than, than what we were going to offer him in the Championship. So who knows? But it, it's not, you know, it's not the most positive move, is it? If you read the uh, the article, it says that uh, his family uh, haven't settled in France. They obviously spent a great deal of time in England whilst he was here uh, for his various clubs. Um, and that Watford were going to be getting a deal where they um, would be getting him back at a cheaper transfer fee than what they sold him for. But Watford, being Watford, uh, didn't want to pay anything for him. So... Uh, I'm not surprised the deal didn't take place because Nance quite rightly uh, were like, well, we just we just paid you like close to two million for him six months ago, and you want him back for free? So, yeah, yeah, I don't like the idea of us putting a putting a fee down for for a player like that, particularly. So, you know, maybe it would have helped in the immediate potentially. I mean, there was talk of obviously, you know, Andrew French was asked the question. Uh, prior to the deadline day, kind of what can we expect in terms of signings? And his prediction was Hoyt plus one or two more. And obviously we ended up with just Hoyt. So I don't know how long that deal was in the works. There was talk of us being in, interested in, in another midfielder um, without a name, but obviously didn't materialise. And, uh, and there was no winger in the ND that was there. So uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting kind of other kind of avenues that we could have gone down that weren't mm-hmm. fully explored or at least not able to kind of find that that agreement on that's right we were linked with that one other player weren't we that at least we know about the manchester united winger palestria palestria yeah but um it was understood that um 
he is still wanted at Man United uh, and he's been playing a fairly bit part role, but I guess they feel his progression can continue there. Yeah, I don't think he was ever too keen on coming to Watford by the sounds of it. So, yeah, one of those, I'm afraid they happen. Never mind, never mind. Right, let's talk about some more of the exits then. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since two thousand thirteen, Bombas has donated over one hundred million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Should we start off with the biggest surprise, perhaps, which was, at least in my opinion, Vacuum Bayo. Um, and it's another story as well, another classic Watford. Actually, you know what, Tom? You love talking about these ones so much. Shall I throw it over to you? I just... <laughs> This one, I think, makes sense insofar as he had evidently run his course here, hadn't he? Patience was already fairly thin on the ground, and then he, you know, now infamously trotted off against Blackpool when we were chasing a goal and had to do that kind of, you know, fairly forced apology in the the build-up to the next game against Rotherham. Um, but I was really surprised to see him move on. It's a pretty quick admission of failure to move him on so soon after signing him for 5 million euros. There's this kind of whole thing about buying him for more than, considerably more than, than Charleroi paid for him um, 24 hours later. I think that's a bit of a misnomer in that I imagine there was an agreement in his contract there that he would join them permanently and the fee was set and it took place on the first day that it could, which was the 1st of July. Um, and then Watford came in and, and, and presumably by that point Watford had already decided through Modgy Buyer which is the other aspect of this that they would buy him to 
pay three and a half million more than they paid seems a bit rich at the kind of level we're operating at. Um, but the whole thing just absolutely stinks. And then we've given him back to them. I'm sure they'll be paying something in by way of a loan fee, or I certainly hope they are, but it's not going to be, um, you know, it's not going to be substantial. I shouldn't imagine it. Just the whole done, thing is they've nuts. done what we tried to do to Nance with, uh, yeah, exactly. I could have done it to us. Yeah. I just, I just, ah, just, yeah, it's another one. I was just really surprised. I thought, although, as I say, I thought he'd maybe run his course here with hindsight. I never expected, I never actively expected him to move this month. Um, it's just what it represents, isn't it? I, I don't mourn the loss of the Kumbayo. I just think, oh, what a bleeding waste. What I will say, though, about, about Bio is if you're not, I mean, if you're not making anything immediately from him, I, I would rather have him as the fourth than, than Manai, but, you know... I guess it's not it's not always about kind of who you prefer. There are other factors at play, but it, it it's a it's a strange one. And I'm hoping that this is you know part of the clear out or kind of restructuring that's taking place. And it's you know a little bit weird and unfortunate, but that's probably to do with the timing of it all. Um, and, and just kind of making room where where we need to as well. Like uh, I think obviously we're pushing it close to um, players we could register and so on, especially internationally. If we were actually trying to look at other targets coming in, I guess we had to get someone out, and it's possible we got one out before we could get one in too. I don't know. Okay, uh, let's look at um, some of the other outs, and we can probably lump a few of them in together under the same sort of reasoning. So Matty Pollock to Aberdeen, uh, Joseph Hungbo to Huddersfield Town and Domingus Queener to Rotherham United. Basically, players that were on the fringes when they were here haven't really done enough to impress uh, and have been moved on. In Domingus Queener's case, you know, we've moved from one place, uh, I think it was El Hay, to, uh, to Rotherham. I guess he wasn't getting enough game time, according to Watford, or, or maybe he wasn't settling, I'm not sure. But either way, three players that all look as though maybe their Watford careers might be stalling a bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess at least Pollock is young enough. There's still a chance for him to... Maybe we're more kind of cognizant of assessing his potential rather than someone like Queener who just feels like he's, you know, getting moved around until eventually he someone decides they want to pay a fee for him or he, his contract just expires. Uh, and then obviously with um, with Hungbo too, I think there was this was a real. It felt like a year of opportunity for him, but there was obviously some difficulty with the uh, the head coach to begin the season. Didn't really kind of fit what he was looking for, and I think coming back off a off a good spell on, on out on loan, we kind of expected more from Hungbo. It's, it's unfortunate that it kind of has gone the way it has, but at least he's getting minutes at Championship level, which I think is a is a bit of a win for the for the player and and the club there because that's really best case scenario get him championship minutes and we can fully look back at that at the end of the season and see what he was able to produce and if he's worth it for us next season that's you know a nice position to be in for us but yeah these are all players i think most of us felt like they had to be out for for one reason or another the strangest one for me is matty pollock in insofar as he's someone they obviously think has potential kept him around this season all right he hasn't really delivered in the games he's played and he's had you know a couple of kind of particularly bad moments um but I just feel like a, a, a move to a struggling team in the Scottish Premiership with all due respect probably isn't the most progressive for him or the you know the biggest kind of test for him and 
I'd far rather have seen him go on loan to a League One club, even a struggling League One club, if we if we assume that he did very well at Cheltenham last year in League Two. So yeah, I'm not I'm not kind of thrilled about that one. But then when you look at you know how Keane has been treated, how um, uh, what's the other fellow's name, Joseph Hungbo's been treated, other players, and now obviously Angelini has gone, someone that they bought with great kind of potential. My old boss was a Celtic fan and said he was very very highly thought of there. Um, you just think, well, to be fair, what's you know, it's just the kind of chuck mud at the wall policy isn't it it's hope some sticks Pollock hasn't stuck he's had more of a shout more of a shot sorry than a lot of them have over the years but it you know you just wonder is is that it for him now is is his opportunity been and gone yeah it's a tough one I think he's he's definitely kind of getting towards the end of that point he's you know he's not the it, it seems so long ago that he was kind of making that that debut against Cardiff I think it was and he looked like he had some real potential for us and it was just it's just a shame that how he's kind of not developed and stuttered and it's you know, it's unfortunate to see the player moved around so I'm sure it's unsettling for him as well he's he's been back and forth a lot um, so he needs to find somewhere that suits suits him because we, we've had this conversation kind of ad nauseum now about Dominguez Quina so I was going to say did you mean Quina? Yeah Oh sorry were you discussing Pollock at the end? No, I, thought I, you, I, I thought you switched No I was but then you said Pollock and then you said his debut against Cardiff and I was thinking what? Oh yeah no sorry I thought at the end you I lost track I thought at the end you went to they're all the same. That's why I like them all together. They're basically the same player, aren't they? Yeah, interchangeable shambles. Also, the fact that uh, Billich was asking for wingers, and we had both Hungbo and Queena that could have come in at any point, or you know, all been all been recalled, but uh, neither of them deemed good enough to 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 pass as the winger required. You should have tried to get Zinkenegel back. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? I'm also particularly annoyed about, as you brought up, the Vincent Angelini one. Uh, that one is a permanent, isn't it? That one to Brentford B. Yeah, he's gone. I, I felt like he had potential to at least be involved with the first team. but You know, conceivably, he's not the player they thought he'd be or hoped he'd be. They've obviously looked at him close quarters every day for the last however long. So you have to kind of say, well, they would know best. But um, yeah, just... Again, it's kind of what it represents. You just think we we make these gambles or we sign these players constantly, and um, really, with with any plan, it doesn't feel that way. So yeah, just a, it's just a bit dispiriting. I think at times we do seem to be a bit of a kind of cattle market for players. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time, football is about gambles, isn't it? In 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 many ways, and. Uh... You know, you sign players that you think have potential and you just hope that they develop it. And sometimes they develop it later than you expect to and you've already got rid of them. good example of that, I suppose, is British Ombolonga, who we assumed wouldn't maybe be good enough to to be a championship player because we were in the championship at the time, right? And we, 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 we you know, moved him on uh, and he's since proved that he was good enough. Although we, we've then taken him back once, once potentially he's... Maybe no longer good enough. That's the irony, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It just the whole thing is—I don't know. I don't. I don't feel great about it, and I feel like take fewer calculated gambles, perhaps, and and buy a few more sure things. I appreciate sure things cost a lot more money, and we can't necessarily operate in that market. But it's just a bit—I don't know. Has it been proven to work? I'm not sure it has. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's yeah. I think you've pretty much summed it up. There's not much more to add in regards to those. I think it's. Uh... 
yeah, it's definitely one we've got to we've got to clean up our process here a little bit because we it, we're not so much an assess and move on sort of club. We really do linger, and these these players stick around for far too long, and you end up with players like you know Alberto Panaranda, who's been you know linked to us for however long, and Dominguez Queen, and now has just turned twenty three, and he's still a young player, but it's, it's years of development where he's been shipped around all over the place. We need, we need to refine this process, I think, in the next year or so. The last exit then was um, another loan, but with an obligation. That was William Troost Ikong to Salernitana. This one came as a bit of a surprise, actually. He he certainly has his critics, but he also has uh, quite a bit of um, upside. Yeah, well, he's he's not a terrible player, but uh, and certainly at a time when we were struggling for um, you know some centre backs who were fit, it felt a bit uh, peculiar that we were, that we were getting rid of him but he's gone um what, what was your thoughts on that move yeah i think my assumption on that is it's uh you have to look at what center backs you have who are somewhat marked but what interest is there for uh for someone like christian cabasilli for example who's you know got a contract left in his 30s not been playing particularly well the last few years probably a hard move to facilitate so if someone comes in with interest for for Trista kong yeah, I think he's a better player than Cabaselli and he offers more. But if your ultimate goal is to bring Porteous in and you feel that one has to go, then you kind of have to just do that. And it's it's not ideal. And I think I, I get the impression, I think a few of us got the impression that Bilic wasn't particularly happy with the move. Um, you know, from, But from Bilic's perspective, he, he's more than happy to have all of them. And if one of them has to rot on the bench, then that is what it is. But you know, from a squad building perspective he's the one that we could we could get something from, whether it's just kind of wages off the bill and a potential fee, then it's still there's still more upside in the deal than there would be for someone like Calaselli where you'd be struggling to find a suitor, I would say. Yeah, weird one. Um, kind of felt like he was perfectly serviceable at this level. I know he's not perfect. We, know, we all know his flaws inside out, but I, I did feel like he was good enough to stick around, I guess. You know, he's Nigeria captain. He's at an age where he wants to will want to be playing regularly and so on. I don't blame him for wanting to go. It's Serie A football. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame. And I think we've talked over and over about lack of characters, leaders, yada, yada, yada. You know, this was someone who actually supported Watford, was a, a proven to be a leader and so on. So I think it's a bit of a... A shame from that point of view, but um, equally, I think he's earned the right to to move if he so wished. You know, what I will say is it'd be interesting to see how we feel coming into the season. If how how much of a of a difference there is between someone like Wesley Hoyt and uh, and Trista Kong, because you're going out there and, and bringing a player. You know, it's, it's kind of I was thinking it was one in one out, but kind of Hoyt slipped my mind as Porteous and Hoyt coming in. So clearly, we had the room to bring in at least two. Uh, so you could have had one in one stay. It's it's interesting to see. I mean, maybe maybe Cruz Kong was the one looking to get the deal done. Maybe he wanted to move. Who knows? But uh, I, I'm not sure that we've necessarily upgraded in terms of that that depth position there. But I guess that remains to be seen. Well, that's the uh, transfer window completed for Watford. Then there still might be a couple of exits with regards to other windows still being open. Um, and I think they're still looking for a move for Manoy, aren't they? That sounds like the, the situation, yeah. But um, other than that, it, that that's the business done, more or less. Are we are we happy with what with what's taken place? Should we give it a grade? 
Okay, yeah, give it a grade. Uh, let's start with yourself, Jordan. Let's go for a, let's go from A plus down to F. I'd say. All right. Okay. Okay. And what what are you what are you rating it? B minus. I think. Look, I've been incredibly negative at times on Twitter. <laughs> Shock, I know. Um, but I actually have to say sometimes I get it wrong. And I, this is why I think Twitter's brilliant, because you get you know free access to other people's opinions. And I saw a good kind of thread from Mike Parkin this morning from, from the Rookery End, and I agreed with a lot of it. And the, the gist was, you know, we've, We've done quite a bit of business, actually, and I tweeted this myself, six or seven kind of first-team signings. Um, not honestly going to play it once, but, you know, that that is more than we would normally do. History has proven that. And I think that is an admission as much as anything that we've gotten it wrong in the summer. We've also been dealt a very unkind hand by injuries, and I've had my said my piece about that as well. But I do think there's an element of, well, the model is um, that you come in and you you kind of work with what you're given. You are the head coach, and that is the be-all and end-all. And they've, they have given him a midfielder. They have given him a winger. They have given him two strikers. Might not be as many as he wants, but they've not completely ignored his requests. So... Yeah, I'm not unhappy. It's only a couple of the signings that I have a bit of a question mark over. Matthias Martins, Ismail Kone, Arauj, you know, good signs. I can see the merit in a Sombolonga, even if it's a bit... Ferreira looks good. So, yeah, I I think B-. minus. I think actually, that's kind of my gut feeling as a B- minus. also. It's not not very fun to, to say the same, but if I'm being honest, I think that is kind of where I fall as well. I think for me, the, the perspective of um, or what it indicates about a longer term plans in terms of recruitment is honestly what brings it up a little bit for me. I think, uh, okay, you know what? Just to be a bit different, I'm going to say a B. I'm going to say a B because when taking that into account, I think it rises up to a B. I think the players that be coming in, uh, we've improved certain positional groups. Uh, I think we potentially have improved the central midfield by bringing in someone like Kona even in the short term. I think you can offer something as a starter in the three. Uh, I think even with all available, I think Kone can still get in that starting lineup, uh, which is a you know that instantly puts him up a little bit. Uh, we've improved the right back position. We've potentially improved the striking situation. We've potentially improved the situation at wing. You know, these are upgrades, and and oftentimes in January you're supplementing injuries, filling holes, and we've definitely done that in the past. But this feels like one of the first windows in a while where we have improved in certain areas. So that definitely puts it up there. And the ones that have gone. You know, they're not they're not players that have been taken from us. We've retained, I guess you can argue that retaining Saar, although there's lots of mixed feelings, and I think if a deal had come through for him, a lot of people would have been quite happy to sell Saar uh, and move on there. But, you know, we, we've I think on the balance of things, we've done pretty well. Uh, I, I think something that maybe kind of leaves a little bit of a, a negative feel towards the end of the window is that we did expect more to come in. And obviously we had... People like Andrew French, who were, you know, certain or not certain, but they had the idea and the understanding that it was likely we'd have that. So I think expectations rose a little. Uh, had that not been the case, I think maybe we'd view the window slightly differently, a little bit more positively. So uh, all in all, I'd say decent. I'm the set on a B. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I think I might join you on a B actually, maybe a B plus, because any window where we've signed um, two players who I'm very excited about in. Matthias Martins and Enrique uh, Arouge, I think, deserve um, to get some kind of 
uh, credit because I mean I only hear a Scottish accent when the Rouge has said no I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> because the, 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 these two players um, could go on to be you know real sort of like stars in the future um, probably more so for a Rouge but I mean if Martins gets his head down and works hard I mean he could potentially be a Brazilian international which you know, is, is, is crazy but um, you know, I mean, Richarlison did it. it. The likelihood is that Pedro will make it. So this is—it's not a bad transfer window, really, when those two are on the on the books of coming in. No, I think also too for me, I think the 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 shift in—I think there's a much fresher feel. I think the shift in age profile is something we have to consider too. I think bringing in those younger players, we, we we've been—I mean, look at the look at the squad when we got relegated from the Premier League, not last not last season, the season before. You look at the age of that squad and some of the players, the bodies we had around there. You know, we were a real, uh, real team on decline. I think it's it's promising to see you know us bringing the the the, the Ferreras and the Porteous and these players that we haven't invested in those positions in in youth and in that same way for a while. So it, it does change the the look of the team. It makes it this a bit more exciting. And even though the display was pretty bad at Middlesbrough, when I looked at the lineup, I thought there's definitely holes here. Obviously, you still have Gaspar in the field. There's the situation is not perfect, and we we've still got some some players to come in. It at least does feel like a team you can start to get behind with a bit of a bigger picture in mind, which is uh, which is, is something we haven't really felt for a little while as Watford fans. Certainly, the best window we've had in, in some time, I think, and that's what uh, the general mood is. I think on Twitter as well. Um, let's pick up on something you said there, Jordan, which we haven't actually discussed yet, which was the uh, Ismaili Assar move that didn't happen that um, was reported this morning by Leventhal. It seems as though Watford uh, were given the opportunity to uh, shift him to Everton uh, very late on uh, for a, a two million fee uh, for a loan initially with uh, an obligation of a 30 million fee uh, plus potential four million bonuses if they stayed up. I mean, given the fact that he hasn't particularly been that great this season, does that not seem like a, a gamble worth taking? There's definitely an argument for it. I'd be interested to see what the actual deal was because on the surface, there's there's definitely some room in there to work with, don't you think? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. That seems to me like a fee that we won't get again, potentially. Um, I guess the point is that there's a risk that Everton go down. I think with Sean Dyche going in there, there's a better chance than ever they stay up despite what I'm mess they are in and, and you know difficulties they've had over a few seasons now um, but I do suspect strongly that their position was if he goes what does that kind of signal to the supporters and the squad and so on and that we're giving up on promotion we've got a better chance of getting promoted with him in the team than not but oh, it's not like he's been brilliant this year. I don't think they're listening to the supporters if they're if they're wondering. Oh no, I don't think they're listening to us. I just think they're saying, <laughs> "Cause, cause we'd have said, you, do it." Yeah, no, I just think they're probably going down the 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 route of kind of PR damage limitation. Um, that's just my suspicion, but yeah, I'd have gone for it to be honest with you, and 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 hope that they stayed up and that they banked thirty million for it. Uh, let's move on to questions then, and uh, Tom, you've got them for us. Yes, sir. Uh, this is Douglas underscore Orms. It appears Manga and Co are starting to put their footprints on the squad, but you can see with Hoyt, Asambolonga signings and the fails to Soka attempt that Gino is still heavily involved. How long until Manga gets frustrated that Gino is hampering his plans? I think for me, and, and obviously shout up if you, either of you guys disagree, I, uh, we're kind of 
stabbing taking stabs in the dark here. We don't we don't know. That might be part of Manga's plan. I, I guess there's if we assume that what we know is correct and that Gino has kind of pulled the strings this whole time in terms of recruitment, I, I don't think he's going to give up that power and that responsibility overnight. It's going to have to probably be a gradual transition with him still inputting to some, but a, a lesser degree. Um, but I, I guess Ben Manga and Elena Costa would, would know that when they arrive. So I wouldn't kind of jump the gun and and kind of be too concerned just yet, personally. I think there's been a lot more good than bad done in this window, despite my mouthing off on Twitter. I think also in regards to that, I think <clears throat> there's, a, there's a certain level of pragmatism you have to bring to any, any window, but particularly January transfer window. And I think... If you look at the moves they have done, uh, I'm actually surprised from a from a really from a, a technical standpoint they've been able to pull off the deals they have done this window. Seeing that when they arrived and, and how quickly these deals kind of came about, uh, I, I wasn't expecting to be able to have as much input so early. I think we kind of really felt that this was a opportunity to maybe get a little bit of a taste of what they were going for. Maybe one player, potentially two, that could come in and we could see the sort of avenues they're looking to go down. But the fact they've been a little bit more expansive and, and had a bigger impact in this window. Uh, January is always a time for... January is always a weird... This, this is a, a, an opportunity for players that are in weird situations to get deals they wouldn't normally get in the summer and so on. So th- those sorts of things arise and they happen. Um, I don't think it's concerning really at all because just just down to the fact that you know, Manga and Costa might have targets in, in mind for those positions that they have in, in line for the summer. You know, they might be looking at the bigger picture and we don't necessarily want to bring in um, or kind of scramble for a target at central midfield when we have a, a target in mind for the summer or, you know, potentially five or six targets they're looking to, to assess and see their opportunity, their opportunity to bring them in later on down the line, potentially options that are longer-term targets rather than, you know, trying to force a deal through for someone they're not as happy on. So if there are connections like someone like Sissoko, the club have their contacts already in place, then those sorts of situations will will come about. So I wouldn't take too much away from it. I, I think look more at what they were able to do and, and try and get a sense from that. We'll obviously be able to assess more in the summer as the as the window opens and we have more time to to assess the deals as they happen. And obviously the, the two there have had more time to kind of put their shortlist together. Uh, but it, 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 this sort of thing happens in, in a January window. I wouldn't be too concerned. The other question we got in from Ed J at Somerset Horn was, hi guys, what's your thoughts on impact of manga Costa on transfer activity? If certain moves, attempts, e.g. Sissoko evidence of short-term deals to get us through this season versus long-term uh, strategy of buying promising players, is manga having an impact? Is finance needed? So similar kind of theme, but I think, I think we've seen that impact already, haven't we? As we've kind of discussed that that younger age profile, as you said, Jordan. Yeah, and I think that's. I think we what I just kind of touched on there. I think that when he, when he just says about you know um, younger players, but also certain moves like the the attempts to get Sissoko and so on, the shorter term deals to go for the season, they are you know it's it's part of the bridging of uh, of a new team coming through, of a new recruitment team coming through. It can't. It can't be so clean, especially in in January, because it is so condensed and so erratic and so on. So I think, as I said, I, I think they've more they've made more of an impact and had more of a say than I expected them to have at this point. Uh, and I think you know you look at previous windows, especially in recent times, this would be a window you'd expect to be dominated by someone like Mogi Bayer, where players come in. 
that you're not necessarily keen on or you, you don't feel great about, but they're available. We can get it done now, so let's just do it and, and take a gamble. And I think the fact that we've had a little bit more substance to our deals and it feels like that at least, uh, we can kind of take that as a positive. And, and hopefully the plan will be these shorter term deals, whilst they're still a necessary part of the game, hopefully it's coming from a place of uh, of decision being made by you know our recruitment team as a collective rather than just short-term opportunities that arise through agents and so on that we're, we're familiar with and we just take a few risks in, in likes of someone like Sissoka. Okay, great stuff. Um, I think we'll we'll leave that there because we've been going on for about 80-odd minutes or so, which will probably get cut down to not not long past the hour. Um, but basically, I think we, we summarised that uh, we felt as though the window was a, a decent B uh, on the on the grading scale and uh i, I guess it, it looks pretty good once the likes of uh Jao pedro and loser and hopefully ferreira get back it's uh it's not going to be too bad a lineup that we have available to choose from yeah exactly it's it actually good. makes a lot of sense that the order of our ratings is matt as the most positive me in the middle and tom is the, <laughs> the least positive like, that's <laughs> kind of quite fitting actually in keeping i think once those guys come back, come- so we'll take that yeah once those guys come back, it kind of colours everything else, doesn't it? Um, we just need to be in the playoffs when they do. Um, you know, we can't hinge everything on them. But once they do, and, you know, hopefully the ones that are going to play regularly at the new signings are integrated by then, I feel more positive than I did prior to the January transfer window. And I think that's all you can ask for. Excellent. And we'll be back to discuss our defeat at Reading on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 hope that it's uh, it's not a defeat. But yeah, it, it it will be it will be certainly interesting to see some of those players feature. Uh, I'm definitely wanting to see a Rouge start, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'd like to see a Rouge and Portius straight in. That'd be the ideal for me. But we'll see. Yeah. Portius rather than uh, Hoyt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'd cool. like that anyway. Tom, any requests from you? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd happily see Portius and Arouge go straight in, I think, actually. Yeah, agreed. Brilliant. Question, left back, who starts? Kamara. Yeah, Kamara, yeah. Kamara, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got his faults, but he, he's, he's definitely more of a, an attacking, exciting player than, than Morris is, right? Cur- curveball, do we go back three? And um, what... Drop well, Kamara could still play, but perhaps his defensive woes are less poignant from the wing back position, which is a little further up the pitch and has more support. If you brought in the other centre backs, do you see the same centre back start, but you add Hoyt or Porteous and then the logic in that? I do, but then I think you've you know, banged on about wingers and whatnot and signed Mateus Martins, so you probably want to be able to get those guys in the team as well. Could you, could you do three, four, three, maybe? Maybe, yeah, maybe. I think he wants to do a back Maybe four, just a though, thought. Just a thought. Yeah, None yeah. of those are left-sided, yeah. though, right? Oh, Hoyt, Wesley Hoyt, Hoyt is, is, isn't he? Is he? Oh, yeah, he's oh, a left-footer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, fair enough. Well, yeah. apparently he's left-footed, but there's there's evidence to suggest he's neither. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, then. Well, thanks again for joining me for this bonus pod, guys. I appreciate uh, you finding the time midweek. Um, we will be going back to a, uh, a normal... Uh, one a week pod uh it was just for the transfer window uh so when there's a when there's a double uh game in a week we'll be covering both in the one week cool all right well we'll, we'll hopefully be back together as a three uh post ready to talk about a victory jordan 
uh and uh <laughs> and uh yeah look forward to it all right that's it for the uh for this week's uh, edition for this bonus week edition of the watford pod i hope you enjoyed it get in touch with us at watford pod uh tell us um what you think of us and also uh, leave us any questions for uh, for future pods and uh, we'll be able to get back to you um, just as we have done for the questions uh, in this one. Goodbye. Goodbye for now. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is... AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Welcome back to Two Judgy Girls. I'm Mary from the Bay. And I'm Courtney from LA. TJG is the podcast where we spill all the tea on your favorite reality TV shows, celebrity gossip, and everything in between. We're here to bring you our unfiltered opinions, hilarious commentary, and plenty of laughs along the way. We're two SDSU Delta Gamma sisters with a microphone and a whole lot of opinions. Each week, we dive headfirst into the wild world of reality television from Bravo to all the trash TV you could want. We break down the drama, dissect the latest scandals, and share our thoughts on everything from the jaw-dropping moments to the embarrassing antics. But that's not all. We're not here to just gossip. We're here to connect with you, the jurors, and share our love of all things pop culture. Whether we're dishing on the latest celebrity breakups, discussing our favorite guilty pleasure movies, or sharing embarrassing stories from our own lives, we promise to keep it real, keep it fun, and keep you coming back for more. Come judge with us. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.